my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to the Pemberley Podcast. <laughs> Big news in the sort of Pemberley digital universe, non-transferable, has finally come out. It was released on Amazon, and we got some great pictures from the non-transferable red carpet premiere, where we had like a mini LBD reunion, and the cast of non-transferable, some of the cast was there too, which is cool. Yeah, and we saw a lot of other Pemberley Digital alums, our close personal friend (laughs) Julia Cho was um, the receptionist at Ashley Clement's company. Uh, Jessica Jade Andrus was the stewardess who took away Brendan Bradley's alcohol. Spoilers. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) It's a spoiler that he didn't drink some alcohol. There you go. Spoilers. They also go to Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We also have Daniel Vincent Gord as Mm. one of the Josh Merritts in the movie. And also Frankenstein MD Sarah Fletcher was in the movie, but her role is a bit of a spoiler, so I'm not going to say who she is in the movie. Yes, that's true. There are some mouth spoilers at stake here, but we pretty much, luckily we pretty much covered everyone. I mean, pretty much as soon as they go to Turkey, it sort of becomes a two-person movie and they do a very good job of working just the two of them. Yeah, I do love that the two friends kind of pop in and we get their input, especially with the hotel shower scene. There is shirtlessness. (laughs) There is shirtlessness. We tweeted it. Yes. You're all welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Reminded me a lot of the Wickham shirtless scene of like, oh, hey, wasn't expecting that. The friends really were hilarious, Uh, Sandra and Marcy. Sandra played by Katie Wee and Marcy played by Shanna Malcolm. I think they just added a lot to the story. They were just so funny with their input and Sandra's constant like eyeing Josh Merritt and constantly going after him. Yeah, The thirst is real. Yes, no, they were good friends to her. They kept an eye on her, checked in to make sure he's not a murderer and also admired him. Another thing that I really appreciated in this film was they uh, took off from Ontario Airport, which is pretty close to where you and I live. I've flown many a trips out of Ontario and it's so much more, I mean, this is like an LA joke, but it's like so much nicer than LAX. I mean, there's no flights. There's that because it's like teeny tiny and it's like in the Inland Empire and no one's heard of it. (laughs) Like if you look at most commercials, it's like, what airport is that? Oh, that's clearly Ontario Airport. One time in high school, I was flying to my cousin's wedding and there were a bunch of tents outside. We were like, ooh, what what are they filming here? And they were filming The Hangover 2. I was going to say, they also filmed there. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, like basically if you ever need an airport that's like not that busy, also like went through security there maybe we can like bring this back like i was impressed that was like that was the security checkpoint area it was like (laughs) did they actually shut down flights i don't know i mean granted again it's not that busy there so i don't think they well but you know like it's not lax busy but there's there's always flights happening, By you know? By the time you're listening to this, we will have asked Brennan Bradley this yes. question. Yes, I, I would like everyone to know, announcement that's very related to non-transferable, we will be having Brendan Bradley on the show. We're really excited to ask him about everything that went into making his movie and what it was like hiring Lizzie Bennett herself and working with her. And yeah, we should write that down. We have to ask him about Ontario Airport. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's very near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. 
One of the cameos I also really loved was Joy Richter. Mm-hmm. Literally only has two lines in the movie, but it was the most hilarious two lines. And his delivery is really what made it. I was just like so overjoyed to see him in the movie. I know. He's so talented. I love <laughs> He just, he always makes my day when I yeah. see him act in things. That Joey Richter, so talented. So talented. So handsome. We should have him on the show. He's Joey a, Richter, come on the come show. Come on the show. We'd like to introduce Joey Richter. I'm just kidding. I wish. <laughs> and Joey Richter, wow. Wow. <laughs> Tweet this, you. Tweet? Yeah, Joey Richter, we're going to tag you in one of our tweets. One of these days. One of these days, and you're going to be like, who, the Pemberley podcast, who the heck are they? I'm glad you asked, because you're our next guest. <laughs> And Come on down. And you don't even know it yet. Let's welcome Joey Richter. So speaking of things that we like, episode 33, Nope, He Doesn't Like Me, written by Rachel Kylie. Jane is being a good big sister, and she's kind of taking over a little bit of the video to show the audience that Lizzie is wrong and that her perspective of what really happened, what's been happening during her stay at Netherfield is a little off. Jane is a scene stealer in this episode because mm-hmm. we really get to see a lot of Laura Spencer's acting chops. She goes into an octave so deep, <laughs> I actually think she is a man. Hey, you're kind of into audiovisual stuff. How do you like these speakers? She does a great sort of uh, Darcy. And yeah, we learn a lot about what maybe his strange antics mean. Yeah, Jane kind of calls out Lizzie for using the internet as a safety blanket. And because of the fact that Lizzie presses record in order to get Jane to, like, stop calling her out on something. But Jane, like, pushes forward and goes with her costume theater. Because this was definitely, I think she was hoping Lizzie would press record because she had costume theater planned. And you can't do costume theater when there's no camera recording because that would just be awkward. I love how excited she is about it. She's like, I'm getting really good at it. (laughs) She had a script. She had the costumes. Mm -hmm. She's ready to go. She had the bow tie. She had her hair in the little braids. Yeah. And through the script that Jane wrote, we find out the truth of what actually happened between Lizzie and Darcy. Well, this is a new adventure of theirs where he, like, what, installs the speaker system himself. So he's handy. He he can handle electronics. Yeah. No, that's, for me, that's a big selling point because electronics always die on me. They always malfunction. They hate me. So he not only installs this, but he asks her what she thinks of the quality and she thinks it's a trap. It's a trap. This feels like an exact like replica of the costume theater dance scene that we saw earlier. But now it's Darcy, the one who's trying to make conversation and Lizzie's the one who's shutting him down. Whereas at the dance at the wedding, it was Lizzie kind of making the effort to get to know him and Darcy shutting her down. Right. Remember we've pretty much known Darcy since episode one. Yeah. And we've yet to hear one nice thing about him. But you're right, it was at an event and Lizzie was trying to be pleasant and he was, he was the opposite of pleasant. Yeah. He, he was, was unpleasant. <laughs> I stole that line from Zootopia. <laughs> He's the opposite of friendly. He's unfriendly. <laughs> and I remember losing it in the theater. But anyway, uh, so he's being very, or she, he was very unfriendly to her. Yes. And that set the tone for the rest of her opinion about him. Mm-hmm. Now the tables are turning. He's. He's making an effort, but she sees yeah. it as a trap. She doesn't, she she really only has this one side of him that she thinks exists, that he's pretty one-dimensional. Right. So she thinks that 
she she would go so far as to think that he installed this speaker system and then asked like gave her basically a rundown of what it is 270 degrees of whatever blah 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 something then ask her do you like it and she thinks that he's setting her up to admit to liking something so that he in turn can shut her down she's thinking she's definitely overthinking it she's like ha he wants to catch me complimenting him so then I, then he like has something to like throw back in my, in my face. And then I look bad and I don't want to look like an idiot. So I'm going to say, sounds not that, it sound is mediocre. Yeah, them's is fighting words, you know? And then Darcy says, I prefer the sound of like a gramophone, okay? I saw a lot of comments of people saying he's clearly a hipster because, I mean, I can think of, Fewer sounds worse than a gramophone, <laughs> you know? Back when it was like crackly and then it played the old timey like Cole Porter music or whatever. Are you gonna play that for her, Darcy? Huh? He's that kind of person. In costume theater, we do get Darcy talking about, oh, well, not that Caroline and I talk about you. Hilarious. Uh, when referencing pop music, if that's the kind of music that music that Lizzie likes. Mm -hmm. You like this kind of music, right? I mean, that's what Caroline said. Not that we talk about you, but yeah, uh, it's uh, dance music. And I would like to think the fact that they do talk about Lizzie, but in a way where they don't purposefully bring her up, but Darcy to Caroline saying, I saw you talking to Lizzie. What was that about? <laughs> kind of like trying to like, brush it off, but really wanting to know what everything that she said. Yeah, no, we should probably talk about what's happening there because we're not, you know, Lizzie's like talking smack about him with her door wide open and yeah. she's allegedly running him in, running into him in the hallway left and right. Mm -hmm. But he knows that she and Caroline are like best friends forever now. So he, yeah, he's got to find, he's got to find a way to ask Caroline about her conversations with Lizzie, her likes and dislikes, mm -hmm. and he's got to seem so disinterested. Yeah. How do you think Darcy is doing this? Like, what do those conversations look like? Like, so, um, did you have a nice day? Oh, you know, I had a good day. Talk to Lizzie. Do you think Caroline's, like, smart enough to know that when Darcy asks about other people, it's a thing? I think they're both trying to out manipulate one another or like trying to downplay each other's interest in Lizzie because I feel like it's like Darcy asking about Lizzie and then Caroline responding in order to get information out of Darcy but Darcy's really trying to get information out of Caroline so it's like this really tricky two-way street that's happening where both of them are trying to get information out of the other without telling each other so it's almost like a passive-aggressive conversation where nothing gets accomplished. Jeez, I think that they should, we should make the William Darcy Diaries. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it because yeah. I bet you it was like, cause you're right, like this is so interesting. It goes like all the way to the top, yeah. you know? Like how do they get this information without appearing like they don't care about the information? Exactly. But they totally do. Which we've all done that at one time or another, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I've just, you know, I've never had to be like that intricate no, about hiding yeah, how yeah. much I care. You know, exactly. usually I don't even like hide. I'm like, I care about this. Tell me everything. But like in school when you had a crush, you're like, oh, so he was there. What What was he doing? That's <laughs> weird that he was there. But like, what was he doing? Was he like with someone? Was he like talking to someone, dancing with someone? Yeah. Like, I get it. But like, usually you ask a trusted friend 
who you don't have to be cautious around. Whereas Darcy is asking a woman who is a known admirer of his. Well, that's why he's being so careful. Yeah, he's being careful because... And he also... Because... Think about this. He also needs the correct information from Caroline. She holds so much power to tell him the wrong thing about Lizzie, you know? And she could be like, oh, no, like, I heard, I must have heard wrong, you know? Yeah. Like, there's just so much opportunity for her to screw everything up. He's, he's really relying on Caroline to impress mm-hmm. the woman of his dreams. Yeah. They've been at Netherfield for a while. She has, she feels like she's overstayed her welcome, even though... No one, like none of the Lee family or Darcy are really ever telling her like, well, it's time for you to pack up, time for you to go. But Lizzie just like wants to get out of there already. If anything, I feel like they've been overly accommodating. Like me personally, well, I mean, I don't have a gigantic house with a guest wing, granted. (laughs) But like there is such a thing as someone overstaying their welcome. Mm -hmm. And... They, you know, the Lees have been really good about either putting on a brave face. I mean, I honestly think Bing is genuinely happy. Like, he's got his girlfriend living with him, you know? Like, it's a dream come true for him. And I can see Caroline, I'm sure she only likes so much female energy in the room before she feels (laughs) like a beta. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, on top of that, it's just, like, someone who her bae is interested in. And she keeps pumping Lizzie for information slash trying to get her to trash talk Darcy on the internet. All the time. And yeah, and speaking to that, I mean, back to the costume theater part, Lizzie's kind of always seeing the worst in Darcy and interpreting everything he says as negative, which very much so happens when you're not fond of some someone. Like, they could say the most innocent of things and you're like, oh, they meant it in a, such a negative way. And mm. so she's interpreting just like every little thing he says and really analyzing it. To that point, that's why she's like, oh, he brought up popular music because he thinks I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Like, as if it's a negative. So she's she's gone. She's been at Netherfield too long. Well, and remember a long, long time ago when Caroline 1.0, a.k.a. Julia, chose interpretation yeah. or Charlotte's interpretation of Caroline is, ah, uh, can you believe these Koreans who listen to Top 40 radio? Like... They've established in one way or another early on. I mean, that was sort of an imagined conversation. Mm -hmm. But they established in one way or another that things that, quote, normal, sort of more middle class people like, they are above. Mm -hmm. But Lizzie is really not seeing a change in Darcy. And obviously, like, that's why I think we need Jane, because Jane is seeing this change in him. Like, she's still, like, Lizzie is still thinking about the guy that she met at the wedding who was standoffish Mm -hmm. and taciturn and really rude. And Jane is here pointing out, he asked you to dance. He didn't say, and I quote, Lizzie, do you want to get your groove thing on? I would like to hear Daniel Vincent Gord say that. And then I would like to record it as dark. I mean, yes. in the, in his like sort of serious Darcy voice, I would like to hear it for my own personal gain. Daniel, yeah, Vincent Daniel Gord. Vincent Gord, you can send us that MP3 too. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, Jane is seeing that he's starting to try and accommodate Lizzie as well. Yeah. Again, it's like that reversal of their their first meeting of that that first dance, where Darcy is he's he's starting to grow fond of lizzie and so he's starting to change a bit but lizzie just already has set her first impression of him doesn't want to change and even 
Jane calls her out on that, saying, well, you were wrong about Bing. I hadn't met the guy yet. What about Caroline? Okay, I'll admit, Caroline is great. I missed on that one. I was due. Yeah, she even says Lizzie Bennet is confrontational. She's like a chihuahua. (laughs) (laughs) And I do like there was kind of that shout out to the audience that Lizzie Bennet says, I know you, all of you are going to write fan fiction about us. And so go ahead. I'm like, Lizzie, you should go check out a book called Pride and Prejudice because the fan fiction's already been written. Dang. (laughs) Called out. Or we could explore the alternative possibility that you and I came up with that this is not, in fact, an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, but an adaptation of (laughs) First Impressions, the epistolary version of Pride and Prejudice. Exactly. So, run and tell that. Go school your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go into episode 34, Lizzie Come Home, written by Bernie Sue. And once again, no surprise, Lizzie is rambling on and on about wanting to leave Netherfield. They are once again the Darcy-hating diaries. And yeah, Lizzie is slowly slipping into insanity. She's run out of things to talk about, frankly, because like this is the one topic that keeps coming up. She's like, I want to go home. I hate it here. We've overstayed our welcome, even though no one is telling her that they've overstayed their welcome. But also in her perspective, if you are living under the same roof as someone who you hate and you feel like also hates you. I'm sure it's like an awkward, uncomfortable situation. Situation. So she definitely does want to leave, but we're also done hearing about it. I'm done hearing about it. But we get to see something pretty interesting because Bing makes an appearance. Once again, Lizzie is recording with the door wide open. Right. Bing is decent enough to knock, but I didn't hear a door open, which means he was just like knocking on the frame. Yeah. And this is the second time we see Bing going to Lizzie for her advice about Jane. The first with the DVD, which like the zombie or the period romance movie. Mm-hmm. And this time about flowers that he sent Jane. This is actually a much more warranted visit because yeah. he... Being the best boyfriend ever says, you know, I sent her flowers just because I was thinking about her beautiful face and she didn't seem to react that much. Why is that? And like he starts by saying, you know, I don't like expect her to fall all over me because I sent flowers. But and, you know, even Lizzie's like, yeah, she loved flowers. She loved them. I don't. And then Lizzie goes into an interesting diatribe about how they miss their beds and they just want to go home. No, does she she not like it here? No, oh, that's not it at all. She loves it here. It's just that, yeah, you know, we miss our beds. It's nothing personal. When that line was said, I swear for a second, I saw the idea flash through Bing's eyes that he was going to get Jane's bed shipped to Netherfield (laughs) and be like, all right, the problem's solved now. You can stay forever. But that obviously did not happen. (laughs) And we actually had a listener, Emmy, write in about what she thought about this conversation. When Bing asks Lizzie if Jane is okay slash happy here, she shrugs it off by saying Jane just misses home, which is very clearly not true. That's how Lizzie is feeling. She's projecting her feelings of them overstaying their welcome onto Jane. And this is very true because Jane really hasn't said anything about missing home or missing her bed or wanting to leave already. She's perfectly happy where she is. And we don't really get, in the series, we don't really get any insight into why Jane is feeling this way. But Lizzie does project her feelings, telling Bing, 
we miss home, we want to leave kind of feelings. And that is upsetting to Bing because he's like, wait, we've made everything so accommodating. Why would you want to leave? Like, he could not have been a better host. You know, he like, he even tries to include Lizzie on all his, the time yeah like <laughs> hanging out with jane you know like he just wants to hang out with his girlfriend and he's being so nice as to invite her sister to tag along his, her cynical sister to rain on their little rainbowy cloud yeah and emmy also brought up the fact that in the book the secret diary of lizzie bennett we do get that bit of insight of why jane is feeling a bit more sad or isn't really as enthusiastic Yeah, sometimes I feel weird about referencing the book, The Secret Diary of Lizzie Bennet, because honestly, I feel like I really enjoy talking about the original 100 episodes as a canon. Mm -hmm. I'll say, though, this part right here offers the most insight into what was happening behind the scenes, because in general, what I liked about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, it's so interactive. The whole thing was kind of a behind the scenes. Yeah. her videos were like behind the scenes on her life and you could the tweets told you what was happening in between official planned episodes. Emmy was kind enough to <laughs> supply us with the transcript from the book where Jane has puffy eyes and sniffles and sa- and Lizzie says, "Jane, what is it? What's wrong?" "Nothing's wrong, Lizzie. I'm just I'm so relieved." "About what?" "I finally got my period." She's becoming a woman. <gasps> Finally. Jane is 13 years old. <laughs> happy day. Oh, a happy day. Time to do like, a, I don't know, a dance. I don't know what people do nowadays. Let's talk about our first period. <laughs> Let's open up to our viewers or our listeners. What this means for any boys listening. It- <laughs> Should we leave that Maybe in? two boys listening. For, for the two boys who are listening to this podcast, it basically means you're not pregnant. Because that's how menstrual cycles work. <laughs> the more you know. The more you, the more you know. So in the behind-the-scenes secret diary of Lizzie Bennet, we learn that Jane thought that she was pregnant during this time. Which makes sense. She's spending a lot of time with her boyfriend. I'm sure Mrs. Bennet would be over the moon if she mm-hmm. did come back pregnant. Like, I don't know why Jane is so relieved. She's going to get, like, a verbal thrashing from her mother for coming home not pregnant. <laughs> if she came back pregnant, that would mean, like, Bing would be the kind of person, I think, who would, like, engaged right after that. Oh, no, yeah, like, that's the perfect... I mean, that's the oldest trick in the book for how to trap a guy. Like, that's yeah. what Mrs. Bennett's motives are. And yes. she would be taking advantage of the fact that... <laughs> I hate to say this theory, but how diabolical would it be if, like, Jane's on birth control and, like, Mrs. Bennett, like, swapped it out, like, oh, no, you got pregnant? Oh, my gosh, why do your birth control pills look like Tic Tacs? (laughs) (laughs) Jane's like, I thought they were, like, weirdly colored I thought they were minty or whatever (laughs) flavor she gets. (laughs) She's like, oh. That would be, oh, my gosh. See, let's actually explore this because, The next big thing to happen after Lizzie's like, oh, blah, 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 we miss our beds. And then, like, Bing hangs his head and leaves thinking he's been, like, a horrible host slash boyfriend is Jane comes in and says, hey, I just drove by our house and I ran into the contractor. And guess what? It's been livable for a week. Lizzie doesn't waste any time packing. But before we get to her impatience. Yes. 
That is diab. We talked about this. Yeah. How Mrs. Bennett? It's possible. Oh, I we changed the drapes. All done. Yeah, you know? and like a- that was the big renovation. She like paid an actor to be a contractor. Like, oh yeah, hammers, nails. <laughs> it's all done. Off to work we go. Yeah. You know, like maybe just like hang some tarp. Yeah, or like they do at HGTV. There you go. But uh, it's been livable for a week. Probably Mrs. Bennett knew about this. I think she's putting herself oh, yeah. through a lot of discomfort by making her, her husband, and her youngest daughter stay with um, the aunt and Mary, like cramping themselves into that tiny space mm-hmm. while making Lizzie and Jane live in the mansion. For her, it's the sacrifice for the greater good of getting her eldest daughter married. Why doesn't she just live at home and not tell her daughters then? Oh, that would have been worse, wouldn't it? It would have been worse, but Jane you know goes what? home like, Mom, what are you doing here? Like, oh, nothing. Oh, we just came back for some sugar. I don't know. But yeah, so Jane discovers on her own that the house is livable. And then she goes, and t- so we know that Mrs. Bennett is a master manipulator. Clearly, I think she knew how much work was going into this. Yeah. If you've seen Fixer Upper, you know that you're kept in the loop about what's happening with your house. I mean, like, if it turns out the money that you budgeted to renovate the basement into a bathroom slash play area for the kids, but it actually has to go into stabilizing the foundation because it's an older home, you know about it. (laughs) And so you can imagine her disappointment next week when her plan has failed. Jane comes back somewhat melancholy because she thought she was pregnant. Jane is deferring her student loans. She is in no place to have a child. Yeah. She needs to make, you know, find stable relationship with Bing. You know, they got to sort of, this was a nice experiment. They got to practice living together. They were playing house, essentially. Like, kind of seeing what life would be like together. And it seems like it's kind of taking a rocky turn where Bing's like, did I do something wrong? Why doesn't Jane love the flowers? She's kind of been kind of, it seems like she's been acting not as affectionate or showing him or as excited to be there. So he's worried too about what's this, what's the status of their relationship. And especially now if they're leaving, it's, they're going to grow apart a little bit. They're not going to see each other every single day. Yeah. I mean, you can understand Bing's insecurity. He was probably thinking that her staying there was a good opportunity to play house and sort of create what their life together could look like. And he's really enjoying it. And so it obviously bothers him that this is hypothetically what their future would look like and she's not happy. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that like he, she wasn't grateful for some flowers. It's that, you know, like when Lizzie, Lizzie thinks she's being helpful when she says, we just miss our beds. We want to be home. She's making things worse because she's basically saying, Jane isn't happy living with you. You know, that's like what he's hearing. That's how he's hearing it. Yeah, Yeah. he's like, I'm trying to provide and she's not happy, you know? Yeah, it's not just a reflection of not happy with the living situation. It's not happy with the relationship. Yeah, not happy with him. Like, it's all the same to him, which is understood. Like, Lizzie's screwing everything up. She needs to shut her fat mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And Jane comes in saying like she has like some news and the first thing Lizzie does is grab Jane's left hand, checking for a ring, and both relieved and surprised that there's not a ring on her finger. She was insane. Her eyes got big. She was just as jumpy as when, like, Bing shows up unexpectedly at the door in oh, his Bing. house. Oh, my gosh, what happened? And so she's like, you're not going to believe what happened. And she, like, 
grabs her hand and goes, no way. Just like looking for the ring. Not that you'd have to look for it because obviously it would be a gigantic diamond because, you know, that's just how Bing would think. That's what he thinks girls want. And she's sort of, (laughs) it's funny how she thought like, oh my gosh, did I predict this? Did I make this happen? He proposed to fix everything. But actually she, you're right. She was relieved to see that that wasn't the case. Kind of a callback to the costume theater she did of her mom at the beginning of the episode. But what about Jane? Jane can come home whenever she wants, but not until she has a shiny new rock on her finger. Maybe, Lizzie thought. Are we finally getting out of here? You have a rock on your finger? You're you're engaged? So you're engaged, that means I can leave. That's so funny. That like that's true because like Jane comes in there actually with news that the house is done so they can physically move back. Yeah. But she's thinking that she just got the golden ticket out of there. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So again, Lizzie is selfish. <laughs> Very selfish. She's like like I don't know. Lizzie's 24 and she was living on her own in college and now she's back home. I would think that she would be grateful for the freedom. She's living rent-free. Yeah. It's big, beautiful. I get, I think that like Darcy is the primary reason that she says that she's upset that she's living there. But I think she's actually a lot more of a homebody and she loves spending time with her family a lot more than she's willing to admit. Yeah, I... She just t- tends to have a negative view of everything that's happening in her life and like, oh, my life isn't as I want it to be. I have all these student loans and sort of blocking herself at every step of the way and saying like, these are all the disadvantages I have in my life and why nothing good will happen. But like, she just, she needs a pep talk and she needs to go forward in her life. Yeah, like. Liz just like needs to take a nap sometimes and you know the second eat a Snickers eat a Snickers Lizzie the second that Jane comes in with that news Lizzie wastes no time grabs her suitcase which was just sitting off to the side throws it on the bed like you coming you want to come home I was more surprised that she didn't just like pull up her suitcase it was like ready to go and pack like the bachelorette or something of like it's ready to go every single night in was, case they have to leave I was just thinking about that about how before every rose ceremony everyone's got to pack yeah. And, like, a lot of them are safe, but, and so you, like, spent all that time packing for no reason, but some of them just, they gotta be ready to leave. And then they say, oh, no, like, we'll call them from the house. If I were them, I wouldn't call them at all. I'd keep playing dumb for as long as possible and just have the whole house to myself. But that's just my diabolical plan. Sure. Going into comments now for episode 33, Miss Pretzel says... Having watched Lizzie's Pemberley videos, I have two possible conclusions. One, Lizzie is so heavily biased at this point that even her visual perception is skewed. Two, Darcy stares at all traffic accidents with a tenderness and longing that suggests he is resisting the urge to kiss them gently. Yeah, both are possible. Her visual perception is skewed. That's how biased she is. He's like, he looked in my general direction. He was glaring at me kind of thing, so... Totally. Grace's nerd says, whoa, geez, talk about reading between lines that aren't there, Lizzie, huh? I'm not saying Darcy isn't an ass. I don't know the guy, but when you read too much into things like this, it just makes you the ass. Those is, them's his fighting words. Lizzie is really overanalyzing everything he says. Mm-hmm. That's why Jane calls her out. Yep. Thank you, Jane. Andrea Mall says, Darcy sounds nice. Well, more like shy. And I think Lizzie is being a little extreme about him. Kind of scary and mean. Tone it down a little bit, would you? 
you're still a guest in the house that isn't yours. And if he bothers you that much, shouldn't Lizzie just start going out for walks like the original character? The original Elizabeth at least tried to be civil. She did. I think she had her own savage commentary running through her head. But it's, you're right. She, she's right. Like, calling people out under their roof is kind of a ballsy thing to do. Yeah. Sunny Heart One says, Darcy is such a socially awkward boob. Jane's impressions of him are hilarious. Lizzie's the problem in this version, not Darcy. She's just so blinded by her own prejudice. She can't see that Darcy is a socially awkward boob that has a crush in the style of a 10-year-old boy on her. That was kind of a weirdly phrased sentence, but I get what she's going after. Yeah, we've heard it before that Darcy is painfully shy and he's just not the best at socializing socially awkward boob yeah (laughs) (laughs) comments for episode 34 Miriam 24601 she doesn't interact a lot with Darcy until the end of the book there's a huge portion of the story where when they're in separate cities and even fewer opportunities when he would be in a room when she's shooting something so I think we're months away from seeing him it has to happen naturally Oh, yeah, I'd say the number one comment on both of these videos were, when are we going to see Darcy? When are we going to see Darcy? Where's Darcy? Where is he? When are we going to see him? Yeah, that's all anyone wanted out of this series. (laughs) Oh, how naive they were. Anne McKinney says, I've been enjoying this series, but I have to confess that I'm disappointed by Lizzie's lying to Bing. The whole, this whole chapter has been uncomfortably dishonest. I can't imagine that the original Lizzie Bennet would have been okay with the deception, not to mention the ethics of violating Bing's privacy by posting him on YouTube. No matter what Caroline tells her, Lizzie should know better. This is interesting because this person's flat out calling Lizzie a liar. It's not just like projecting her feelings. It's like kind of saying like skewing how Jane feels to... I don't even think this is about... Jane's feelings about being there. I think it has more to do with the fact that Lizzie is still recording Bing, putting him on the internet, and not telling him about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, he doesn't even say hi to Charlotte when he comes in. How freaking rude is that (laughs) for Bing? He's the worst. Uh, (laughs) Didn't even acknowledge Charlotte when he barged into his own house. (laughs) Yeah, she's, she's still deceiving him. He still doesn't know... She probably feels like she's in too deep at this point. (laughs) Yeah, she's just like, yeah, uh, Charlotte. Yeah, totally. Michael Tucker says, when Lizzie was packing, priorities were as follows. Suitcase, camera, scads of silly costumes. What else? Toothbrush. All right. Now, all right. Normal clothes. Yep. I mean, that's kind of how I imagine it. She just brought some random things with her. She brought all the costumes. She brought (laughs) the hat, the scarf. The hat is big. We've seen that hat in real life. Exactly. We've tried it on. Cookie Monstrously says, Lizzie is so ranty. She doesn't take anything with a little bit of humor like she does in the book. I mean, she's annoyed that Darcy doesn't like her, but she gets over it and doesn't let it bother her all the time. I'm just looking forward to when all the stuff she's saying on here is going to turn around and bite her hard. Oh, snap. That is a pretty vicious thing to say. Like, this person hopes, Cookie Monstrously hopes that she gets caught. That wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Pemberley. And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. 
And to support the podcast, donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thepemberley, or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye! Bye.